0: Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have the freedom and ability to gather together this morning, Lord. We ask a blessing upon our gathering, Lord, upon the reading of the Word, as we've already been blessed from the singing in this day together, Lord, and the Bible class lesson we could participate in, Father. And we pray that we would continue to be blessed from Thy Word, that Thou wouldst give us instruction, Lord, that we can connect with Thee, become closer to Thee, Lord. And that we pray that Thou wouldst help us to rely on Thee, to turn towards Thee, Father, to cry out to Thee. And we pray, Lord, that be with those who were unable to be here today, Lord, those who truly had a desire to be here but were unable to. We ask that uplift them, Lord, comfort them, and be with them in this day, Father. And now we just ask that let help clear our thoughts, our minds, Lord. We pray that we can focus on Thee and the message Thy Spirit would have, Father, and perhaps that message may be different for each of us individually, and we pray that we can... Uh, focus. Open our hearts and be receptive to that. And we pray these things in Jesus Christ's name, Amen. <clears throat> Let's turn this morning. The Lord's help to Psalm chapter forty. Psalm chapter forty. I'd like to uh, read the entire chapter. Starts with, "I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord." Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts, which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee, if I would declare and speak of them. They are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ears hath thou opened, burnt offering and sin offering, Hast thou not required? Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me, for innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Let, those also, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer, Make no tearing, O oh my God. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading this morning. <clears throat> you know, as we read this morning, uh, as we start here, David's talking about waiting patiently for the Lord. And uh, it's something we've all uh, experienced in some way, struggled with in some way, perhaps. Having that... Um, waiting that we have to do and maybe think back in your mind of when have you had to wait for something to really wait for something there's different levels of waiting um, especially when you put the word patiently in there sometimes we simply wait or we have a short wait for something we have to wait in line for something Um, could be different things so uh, and through those experiences we ask ourselves was it always worth the wait sometimes yes sometimes no sometimes we're we're disappointed, or we say, well, that wasn't worth it. Um, you know, I think back of, um, it's been quite a few years now. Well, maybe not too many, I guess, since we did this. But I remember uh, back at Cedar Point, when we used to go, when we were younger, uh, they opened up this uh, a new ride, Top Thrill Dragster. It's the tallest in the world at the time, 420 feet, I think, goes 0 to 120 in four seconds. And the wait when they opened the ride was about six hours. And the ride was 17 seconds long. And the question was always, was it worth it? And some would say, yes, it was. And some would say, no, it wasn't. Or some waited six hours, and they got up there, looked up the hill, and walked through and never rode it because they were scared. Uh, So there's different levels of waiting and different results that come from that. But we ask ourselves, when have we waited on something? How um, patient were we? And uh, the Lord laid this on my heart this past week. Uh, We were out at the lake at Otisco. We did a lot of fishing, um, some days we waited longer for the fish to come. But what I really noticed is when we fish with the children and they have their bobber there and they like, you know, they cast it in and then they start reeling and they cast it in. And the phrase came out of my mouth a lot just wait. Just cast it and wait. You got to wait for the bobber and just watch that bobber and wait for it to go under. And sometimes I think to them, 15 seconds probably felt like about 15 minutes. And uh, especially on days maybe when the fish weren't sitting there waiting for the worm to come down, right? But waiting can be difficult, and we see that in our children. Uh, We probably see it in us. Uh, We probably have trouble waiting patiently for our children sometimes uh, to get ready to go find their shoes when we're waiting uh, to go to church, whatever it may be. Sometimes we have a deadline. We're kind of rushing through some things. Um, But really just thought about this because then there are some mornings too when we were fishing where you know, we're just waiting for hours for a bite, right? We're trying different locations and waiting, and uh, sometimes it paid off. There's reward, and sometimes our waiting maybe came as we waited till the next morning when the fishing got better. But there's a lot of waiting involved, and um, we think uh, there's a lot of spiritual applications of this, and we see some of the struggles. I, I really like this psalm. It's a very personal psalm, as Dad mentioned this morning, of someone who, um, who we encounter that would read through the scriptures or recite scriptures as prayers to the Lord throughout the day. Uh, I always like reading these uh, very personal prayers and songs and psalms that David writes, and um, that we can repeat these to the Lord. We go through a lot of these same struggles to some degree. But as we look this morning <clears throat> a little deeper into patience, uh, we can read in Romans... Paul writes about this as well uh, a couple times. And uh, in chapter 15, starting verse 4, it says, "...for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." In our spiritual walk in our spiritual lives, uh, there is a lot of waiting that takes, uh, takes place. It's important that we wait on the Lord, because His timing is perfect. Um, he has the ultimate timing. And we read in First uh, Peter chapter five. It says, "Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, in His perfect timing. Not let's how quickly can I build myself up and take these matters into my own hands. It's humbling ourselves, putting the Lord first. Waiting on his timing. uh, Because that's always going to be the best timing. So we're encouraged to wait for the Lord. The best option. The only one true thing that's worth waiting for. The Lord, his direction, uh, his blessings. And we see that uh, in this waiting though, David wasn't just um, passively waiting. It says, "...the Lord inclined unto me and heard my cry." He was crying out to the Lord, sharing his his, uh, deepest thoughts, desires, struggles with the Lord as he was waiting. And uh, we think we know the Lord is there listening for us, wanting us to cry out to Him. And sometimes uses this waiting in our lives uh, for specific reasons. And in verse 2 it says that uh, David says, you know, he saved me. He brought me up out of a horrible pit and renewed his strength out of this miry clay. And we think of, um, if you try to think of what miry clay might be, uh, I think of maybe the worst type of mud, clay, maybe some uh, decomposed matter, right? And just the, the filthiness, the stinkiness, the stickiness of that uh, being restricted by it. And, um, You know, I was just, uh, yesterday I was talking with someone about, I was reminded of, uh, you know, a couple summers I built swimming pools, um, or worked for a company where we built in-ground pools, and one day we had dug the hole already, and then it rained for two or three days straight, and we went back to that, and we were trying to uh, dig the mud out, um, and walking around to try to get to certain locations, and and five or six times that day, I would kind of forget what I was doing, and uh, not focus on my steps, and you go to lift your leg out, you know, the mud's around your boot up to your ankles, and you can, I can feel the socket of my hip kind of pull out a little bit. And, and it was painful, but it also it made me stop right away. But when I read this miry clay, that's the image I go to. It it just pulls you down. It keeps you confined. keeps you stuck. And, uh, and it's painful. It's unenjoyable. And we see where David's writing this from, the place in his heart, uh, the place in his life, Right, And we've all probably gone through experiences and, and might be an experience right now where we feel like we're stuck in this miry clay where it's always down, always feel like we're dragged down. We try to move forward. It's pulling us back. Uh, we feel like we you know, can't get out of this, this dark pit. Right? We're just like a constant cycle of something you know, always happening one thing after the other and, um, and we're crying out to the Lord or, or we need to be crying out to the Lord if we're not. But doing it and truly relying on Him. A lot of times we, we cry out. We want that quick answer. We want things to be fixed right away. And, uh, and what happens when things are fixed? Usually we move on. And a lot of times uh, we forget about some of those things that are quickly fixed. right? But we know if there's a moment in our life where we've gone through something for a while, it's not easy to forget. And we remember uh, how the Lord worked through us in those times. And maybe this miry clay could mean different things for different people at different stages of life here. Um, you know, it could be different temptations or struggles that you have, or, um, you know, for us as believers, it could just be a, a time where we're struggling spiritually or feel like uh, maybe we're a little disconnected from the Lord and that maybe we're not putting in the time and effort to have a close relationship with Him. Um, maybe physically we're going through some, some strong illnesses that are difficult to get through and we're crying out to the Lord. Um, you know, For the unbeliever, you might just feel in darkness alone, struggling to, to connect with the Lord, uh, to make that commitment to the Lord. And you're in this, this miry clay and you just feel kind of stuck, like, I can't get out of this. And we want to think and, and maybe just reading through this chapter a few times and, and praying it to the Lord and believing it and really recognizing uh, where we are, but what the Lord can do, how the Lord can pull us out and seeing and being encouraged by how the Lord pulled David out of this. So we see that David was was waiting in this, he was in this miry clay, and that's where the waiting was taking place. If we read the order of how it's uh, written here, he's saying he was waiting patiently, he heard my cries, and he brought me up out of a horrible pit. So he was waiting while he was in this horrible pit. And and we need to think about that and recognize that the patience that he had that while he was you know, drowning and struggling in this, the Lord still made him wait. And again, in Romans uh, chapter 12, we can read Paul writing about um, chapter 12, verse 12. It says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And, and there's uh, some other things listed there as well, some encouragement instruction for us. We know Paul went through all kinds of tribulations. Uh, they're listed out in Corinthians about how many times you know, he was in shipwreck, in prisons, beaten, um, uh, all kinds of different things. The, and we can read of his account in Acts, the different things he had gone through. But he was patient, waited on the Lord, trusted in the Lord, in all those things. Uh prayed to the Lord, saying to the Lord, Paul and Silas in prison, uh, Saying out to the Lord while they were waiting patiently. You know, they didn't have their, uh, you know, they didn't sneak in a little pickaxe and were trying to chisel out of the prison. They are waiting patiently for the Lord's time. we see how blessed they were by that and how many others were blessed from that as well. So as we're thinking of these things and, and recognizing why, why do we go through these trials? Uh, why are we waiting? And going through these trials, through these struggles, um, through these different tribulations, maybe it's it's for a test uh, of our faith to be strengthened. To you know, many times we realize it it helps humble us to bring us back to um, God showing us. You know, lately you've kind of been going on your own own path. You've been comfortable. Yeah, you know, I haven't haven't heard from you lately, and uh, the Lord brings us back to. Uh, turning to Him, relying on Him, and going through those those uh, trials, and and for us sometimes, how much we're stuck, or or uh, how difficult it is, uh, maybe it's to see how serious we are about something, even if it's something we we badly want, we're crying out for. To see how much are we relying on the Lord and His will, uh, you know, as opposed to. Impulse buying, right? Sometimes we're told to go home and sleep on it for 24 hours and see do you you still really need or or want that that badly. And sometimes with the Lord, we we make some impulse requests for ourselves, what seems good for us at the time. And the Lord shows us through waiting that maybe this isn't the right time or maybe this isn't the right thing uh, that you should be focused on. So the Lord teaches us these things. And and we think of uh, in times of waiting... You know, why must we wait? and what changes in our time of waiting? What changes with us or the situation? Right? If we're waiting on on someone else, we're not in control anymore really of the situation. If we're truly waiting, all we can do is wait uh, for the other person, uh, perhaps if if we think of that, if we're waiting on someone um, to start dinner or someone for waiting in the car for someone to come so we can leave to go somewhere. And if we're waiting until that happens, our time is controlled by when that person shows up. We're out of control of the situation. Until they come, and then perhaps we're back in control, and it's, right? And sometimes we, uh, just got bit by something here. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes, you know, we're out of control of the situation, and, um, and when we're back in control, when we're done waiting, then we decide when to move on, when to go on to the next thing, and, um, You know, and the same thing with the Lord, right? When we are waiting on the Lord, we should be waiting on and putting Him in control. We should be out of control as we're waiting. Um, Out of control of the situation, not making all the decisions and and moving in our own timing, but relying. We're really forced to trust God and rely on Him and wait for that timing. Uh, But understanding and recognizing that His timing is best, we also have to realize that when the waiting period is over... We need to be ready to go, and uh, you know, do what the Lord is guiding us to do and leading us to do. <clears throat> so as we wait on Him, recognize His timing is best. Um, we need to rely on Him, and, and we read in Bible class this morning about uh, you know some different things that tied in to this. As I was listening, that uh, you know Samuel was given the direction to go anoint a king. Um, Right to to go anoint David, and um, first of all, it seemed like he was waiting for a while. What did God said to Samuel? You know, why are you still? How long are you going to mourn over Saul? You know, how long are you going to wait to get over this? Like, let's get going. Let's go pick a new king. The time is ready. Move on. And uh, so Samuel went went to Jesse, uh, to the family. They went through a long list of brothers that came, and um, what did he say then? In First Samuel 16, uh, there is one where he said, Are these all thy children? And Jesse said, There remaineth one yet, the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. We're going to wait for him. Because Samuel had an inclination. I didn't find the one that the Lord's laying in my heart in any of these other brothers, so we're going to wait for the right one. And imagine if Samuel would have rushed on and be like, My schedule's getting pretty full here. i got to get back. Like, let's just, you know, this one, this one looks like he could probably do the job. No, he waited until the one came that the Lord had in mind for the Lord's perfect timing. And uh, maybe even that time of waiting affected Jesse, affected the other brothers. Um, this time of waiting it gets our thoughts going, sometimes for the good, sometimes depending on how we let that waiting period go. Sometimes it can do some things to us while, while we're waiting. We need to be careful of that. But we see the Lord's timing uh, was best, and I was also reminded as I was sitting here this morning, uh, singing before Bible class. It's uh, been about 15 years and two or three weeks since we stood up here in front of the pulpit and got married in this church. And uh, thinking of the time that you know, before I put the proposal through to Bethany, there's times where I was waiting on the Lord to to know for sure. Right? That's a a big decision. We know marriage is a big decision, and uh, you know. July ish of the year before, I was pretty sure. And then September came around, and I was more sure the Lord was revealing some things to me. And then uh, January came, and it was uh, the waiting time was over. And the Lord showed me a verse to tell me to get going. Uh, Numbers 14, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? We see the Lord here kind of getting annoyed with the Israelites in a way. You know, What else do they want? How long are they going to keep waiting and asking for more and more signs? They need to have faith and get going. And we need to understand that as well, that we need to wait, but when the Lord reveals it to us and gives us the answer, um, maybe not the answer we wanted, but it's an answer we were looking for and waiting for, we need to rely and trust and move forward with it. So we're encouraged here to wait. And uh, sometimes we don't know why. Um, You know, when you think you know who you're supposed to marry, sometimes it's hard to wait. But after uh, that moment came and and when I saw how the timing of things worked out, I realized there was reasons for this. And I grew a lot during that time and with how, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things you always look back like you couldn't have planned the timing better or um, the situation better. So, we are often you know blessed by when we see how the Lord can work in something and we see how we 're rewarded for waiting patiently for something and trusting in the Lord for that timing. And we also ask what happens if we rush? Uh, what are the consequences if we go too quickly on something right if we don't wait for the lord 's timing uh, or timing in general, We think of just some uh, simple Things in our lives, if we don't wait for a light to turn green at the intersection, right? There could be some consequences there if we just drive through. If we, um, you know, looking at uh, mom's back patio, if you pick some of those strawberries when they're green off the plant, it's going to be a subpar result when you eat that, right? You want to wait till it's ripe and wait till it's ready. And um, we could also, um, again, this morning, if, if Samuel wouldn't have waited, for the right one in picking David. And we think of, I mean, how much of the rest of the, the book of Samuel we read about, about David and the, the mighty things that were done and the amazing way that God worked through him. And how much we learned uh, through David, through his life, and what was done for, um, you know, the kingdom. A lot would change if things haven't waited, if, if they wouldn't have waited for the Lord's timing and for his perfect will. Also read in Acts, the very beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. What were the apostles told to do er, um, right before Christ the resurrected? What did he tell them, the disciples? Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, that they should wait in Jerusalem... And then it says, But Jesus Christ says, Wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In verse 8, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. They were to sit there and wait, wait for the Spirit. And that was a, a moment of growth for them and to wait for something so great Not even understanding at the time what they would be able to do with the power of the Spirit. The next, the next, what is it? 28 chapters, I think, in Acts. We read the amazing things that the Spirit did through them and how the the gospel spread. And um, from that waiting, imagine if they would have just tried to go out and kind of do things on their own. How you know, what number of of what would the number, the count of the churches be, without the Spirit working through them, with them taking things into their own account? and trying to do things on their own. We think of uh, perhaps the subpar outcome from that might have been and uh, how things might have been different. So it's important that we recognize uh, the waiting aspect in our lives. Waiting on God. Now that was probably about five seconds of waiting. Waiting. And we ask ourselves, what's the problem with waiting? It's uncomfortable. I had, in my mind, I was going to wait 15 seconds, but I'm uncomfortable even waiting for myself to do my little experiment there. Right? It's hard. We wait for things sometimes. It's uncomfortable. We don't want to wait. We like to be active. We like to be doing things. Uh, sometimes you ask the children, what's uncomfortable waiting? They get bored. You know, it's exciting when you're waiting and you see a bobber going up and down, but when the bobber's not moving at all, it's pretty boring. So there's uh, some things about waiting that are, are difficult. As I mentioned before, we're not in control of the situation. We have idle time, perhaps. How do we feel that? Waiting doesn't always mean that we can't do nothing. If we're waiting for an answer with something. We can still be actively working for the kingdom of God, right? We don't have one specific thing that we can do each day. There's many things that we can do, and we need to, uh, in waiting, need to be working for the kingdom, again, continuing to pray, continuing to cry out. Ask God for direction. Grow. Grow in the word, in prayer. Uh, Another problem is sometimes we become impatient and then we try something else, right? Uh, We maybe try, and sometimes we've tried and tried and tried and failed, and then we realize I need to just wait and let the Lord show me what I need to do and, and wait for His timing to line this all up. We see the result of waiting that David writes about here. It says, he set my feet upon a rock in verse 2 and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth and even praise unto our God, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. The result of waiting here is he got pulled up out of that muck and mire, set on solid rock, cleaned his feet off, could walk freely, could move about, just feeling the chains being uh, taken off, right? And we, we think of that when we are lifted up out of our bondage of sin, when we recognize what the shed blood of Jesus Christ does for us. How it lifted us out of that pit, that burden that's taken off us if we realized that burden was on Christ on the cross. And what an amazing blessing that is to feel that. And we see here, even David in this moment is feeling that put on solid ground. No sinking, no sticking. Can move forward in the joy of the Lord and set him on the right path. We read in Isaiah chapter 40, familiar verse in verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That renewed strength when waiting on the Lord. Giving that freedom to run in the direction that the Lord leads us. And to do His work. And we see the blessings from that. And uh, there's an excerpt, excerpt I found from a book, uh, I have to admit, I I didn't read the whole book. Those of you who know me know I'm not a big book reader. I've a lot of half-read books. Um, So I'm not going to endorse the book because I don't really know much about the rest of the book, but this really stuck out to me in in times of waiting, in our spiritual walk, uh, thinking about this. It says, From the valley, I look up to the mountains and say, Why, God? Why do I have to be down here instead of up there? I've been down here so long... And into the silence he speaks, if I am willing to be silent enough to listen. I want to take you to the mountaintop, but you are not yet ready. The climb is hard and steep, and you must train a while longer. This valley is preparing you. Suffering and waiting produce the necessary perseverance, character, and hope that you will need to get to the top, without which you would certainly fail. Trust me, it seems to you too long, but it is a necessary amount of time. My timing is perfect. I have not forgotten you. I see your faithfulness and your struggle. I appreciate your honesty. I am with you always. And soon, when you are ready, we will stand on the summit together. And when you look back down in that valley, you will finally understand. How often have we had those moments when we look back and we finally understand? And it reminds us, next time I just need to trust in the Lord from the beginning. Why did I put myself through all that other struggle and attempts of my own and failures when I can just wait on the Lord, trust in the Lord, see what, has, see what He has before me and go when He tells me to go. And we see um, when we come out of that again, as it says in verse 3, it puts a new song in our heart. Right? We come out rejuvenated. We have a new song in our heart and uh, for those, some have completely changed hearts as it talks about Ezekiel, going from that stone cold rock hard heart to a new heart of flesh that's alive and beating and um we see such a change in our lives in our spiritual walk right and and in the converted soul such a change of one who goes from living for this world for the prince of darkness for the carnal lust to living for jesus christ it's amazing and um Sometimes we're even surprised. We think, you know, and I, I, this might have even been last time I was here. Uh, the Lord lays on my heart to think, you know, sometimes we think like there's a person where, ah, oh, they're never going to make it. Or we look back and say, I, I still am astounded at the work that the Lord has done in that person's heart. Knowing them from, you know, we were talking about some of our childhood memories yesterday of silly things we do as teenagers and uh, thinking of some of the changes that we have gone through as the Lord changes our heart is amazing. Um, and, and we need to rejoice in that and remember that. And we see it to the point here where it says, even praise under our God, that we want to praise God. We have such a change in our heart that we want to praise God, where sometimes we're in that pit, maybe we're, um, you know, complaining to God, complaining about God complaining about our lives. But it's such a change that we want to praise God when we wait on Him. And He brings us out. And I love how it says, many shall see it and shall trust in the Lord. And that's our job is so that many can see the change that's taking place in our lives. They can see and we tell them, boy, there was this time I I had to wait for something. I had to go through this trial. But let me tell you about the amazing things that God brought out of this and give all glory to God. And that's what David is, is sharing. We need to share those testimonies of what the Lord's done in our lives, how we've gone through those trials. And now, uh, again, how we've trusted in Him and give praise, honor, and glory to Him. And how, you know, thank God. Thank Jesus Christ for the amazing things done in our life and how we recognize no other uh, person um, or program, whatever it may be, could have provided that for us. Only the one true God and giving honor and glory to Him. And uh, really, you know, this, this chapter here, this psalm then turns into a psalm of praise, talking of the Lord's wonderful works, and David's kind of showing how would we do that then? How do we give that praise? What are the things we can pray unto God? What are the things we can share with others as we're giving praise? So that we're verbally doing this, that the Lord uh, says, uh, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and the thoughts which are to usward. And uh, that's kind of an interesting phrasing, but if we think about it, the Lord's thoughts are to usward, are toward us. To think the Lord God, the creator of all things, takes time to think of us and put thoughts towards us and for the the good of us, knowing the best for us, also then that can be used the best for the kingdom. It's amazing to think that, The Lord takes time, has that care and compassion that His thoughts are usward, are towards us. And it's humbling to think that. And we see the blessings here that it says they are more than can be numbered. And He continues on, uh, if we even look down in verse 8, I delight to do Thy will, O my God. And we read in Psalms chapter 1 today in Bible class, in verse 2, that word delight, I came across that verse. A couple years ago, that verse always stuck in my head. I delight to do thy law, to know thy law. Delighting in the Word. Delighting in relationship with Christ. How, we, how it should just consume us, that we can delight in it. That we can uh, have a love for the Lord that much that we delight to know more about Him, to grow, grow closer to Him, learn more about Him and His Word. And he continues on showing actions now. David says, I have preached righteousness, in the great congregation, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. So, when we are pulled out of this miry clay, can we say, can we testify, I have not refrained from sharing the righteousness of the Lord to others? Are we giving back to the Lord and always giving to the Lord? As we see here, um, I've declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness. I haven't held it back. And thy truth in the great congrega- congregation. And in David requests, Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. And maybe David had heard of this uh, growing up or known of this in the scriptures or the scrolls. As we read in Genesis, this account with Abraham, there's this kind of back and forth between God and Abraham uh, when Abraham takes Isaac just to the point right before he sacrifices his own son at the request of God. And God acknowledges his faithfulness and provides a lamb for the sacrifice instead. And it says here in uh, Genesis 22, verse 16, this uh, conversation between God and Abraham. and said, "...by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore." and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. This whole idea of the Lord saying, because you did not withhold from me your greatest treasure, your one and only Son, I will not withhold from you. And here David saying, I am not going to withhold from you. I will make it my mission to share your righteousness with everyone, to tell them about it please don't withhold anything from me. And do we have that same desire, that same request, that we will not withhold, and and recognize that as we will not withhold anything from others around us sharing the mighty works of God, are we prepared to have the Lord not withhold His blessings from us and, and withhold His direction from us so that we know where does He want to take us, how can He use us for His kingdom as we have committed to Him. <clears throat> and we see too why, why is David asking that all of this not be withheld because in verse 12 and as we sometimes struggle in our current situation in this current world because for innumerable evils have compassed me about mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up they are more than the hairs of mine head therefore my heart faileth me so again reflecting back on that moment how do we feel when we're surrounded by the evils of this world? When we're surrounded by a situation at work or a decision we have to make or a stand we need to be willing to take, do we feel like the evils around us are are innumerable? And we're back in that pit crying out to the Lord and saying, I need you to not withhold from me. And and us having that confidence of the Spirit that we know we will not withhold from Him. And uh, withhold and, and contain back his gospel message for others. So we have this prayer of deliverance, and and I like how David writes or be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. I hope it brings you joy to deliver me. And uh, we think of the joy that the Lord has for his children that serve him. And are we pleasing to him? Are we that sweet-smelling savor to him? And do our lives uh, show that? So it ends here. In uh, wrapping up David's asking you know, to be uh, saved from those that that are attacking him, bothering him, and, and this could be you know those that attack our our Christianity, our walk, but that they would be quieted. But here, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee all those that seek, all those that wait patiently, all those that rely and trust on, that we can be glad in Him, that we can love His salvation, that we can say continually, say verbally, the Lord be magnified. Let us all be able to do that, to recognize where the Lord has saved us, that we can magnify Him. And asking ourselves, as we look at this last verse, verse 17, it says, But I am poor and needy, what does that mean? And, and again, different people, that might be a different stage of life for you right now. We may be spiritually poor, spiritually needed, physically poor, physically needy. We may be a, a believer, but really at a point where we are needing the Lord to strengthen us. We may be so spiritually poor and bankrupt that we need the, the Spirit, we need Jesus Christ to come into our lives because you don't know Him. You have not uh, taken and accepted Him. And how does it finish? Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. And thinking of who, who the Lord thinks upon. And, and again, in Bible class, looking who the Lord used, right? The ruddy in countenance, little old David, the shepherd boy, right? And so, no matter how poor, how needy we are, as we looked at the care and compassion that the Lord has for us, it says, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Remember, his thoughts are usward when we are willing to give all to him. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O oh my God. The Lord thinketh on you. So call out to him, cry out to him, whatever state you're in. And recognize and have the faith that the Lord thinketh upon you, thinketh usward, toward us, has the best for our interest, And we need to rely, wait patiently on him, and he will deliver you. He will pull you out of whatever pit you're in. And that's my prayer for all of us this morning when we find ourselves in those situations. May the Lord have his blessing.